Hey there, friends. So glad you are here with us this week for my chat with Elena Muratova. After she retired from worldwide and Olympic competition as a mogul skier, she had to decide what came next. You're going to hear about her own path to clarity and purpose, and now how she helps other women find the way to redefine themselves in the course of transition. I know you're going to get so much out of this conversation. So glad you joined us. Hey there, friends. Are you looking for tools to resolve stress, reliable information to support your whole health, tips to help you motivate yourself and identify when motivation is fading before it happens, implementation, accountability, and someone to remind you to celebrate even the small successes where you could find tools you can use and accountability in a community that cheers you on, where information about health trends and lifestyle is reliable and straightforward. I know that you have what it takes to up-level your health habits and restore your resilience. You just might need a boost to start building momentum. I've designed a membership where you can choose the level of support you'd like to get every month. Whether it's tuning in to connect with like-minded change makers or getting personalized support with one-on-one coaching to help you chart your path to success. Check out the link for the Velocity membership at happifiedlife.com. Special pre-launch pricing is now available for premium support, but you can jump in for free if you just want to test the waters. I look forward to seeing you inside. Living in a stressful world doesn't mean you have to give up on happiness. Instead, you can shift your perspective of stress and discover how to live your life in flow. Welcome to Happified. I'm your host, Susie Vine. Join me for inspiration and interviews with folks who are shining their light in the world in the areas of positive mindset, health, and wellness. I'm so happy to have you here. Welcome back. I am so happy to have you with me this week for a conversation with a very special guest. And I know you're going to enjoy the insights and revelations that we're going to explore with Elena Muratova. She is an Olympian and an expert in wellness and life transitions. She spent almost 25 years in professional sports, taking podiums at the European Cup and World Cup competitions in mogul skiing. The pinnacle of Elena's athletic career was the participation in the 2014 Olympic Games. The same year, Elena retired from professional sports, moved from Russia to Canada, and started a new career. In 2019, she published her best-selling book, My Russian Way to Boldness, How to Find Yourself, in which she describes her journey from anxiety and traumas to resilience and confidence. She also shares how facing alopecia, a disease that causes hair loss, led to her body and self-acceptance. Elena is now a life transition coach and wellness specialist. Elena, thank you so much for making time to join us. Happy to have you with us. Yeah, thank you so much for inviting me. It's my pleasure to be here today. Well, first, let me ask, what inspired this big move from Russia over to Canada and then this new path forward? I guess in short... It will be love. (laughs) It's a powerful force. It's a powerful force. It's difficult to resist and not to follow this force. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I, I've been a professional athlete for many years and we had Canadian coaches maybe four or five years before Olympic Games in Sochi. So we spent some time in Canada and one of my, during one of my training camps, I just met my husband here in Canada. And then when I retired from sports in 2014, I just came here right away almost, one month after I retired, probably even earlier. <laughs> <laughs> so very early on, you were probably still, um, I would imagine, taking a well-earned vacation after retiring, taking that month to just relax and catch up on life. Yeah, I don't think I had this time, actually. I needed to prepare to my wedding <laughs> We met in 2013 with my husband in the middle of the year. And of course, our relationship was mostly a long distance relationship. We met, of course, a few times after our initial meeting and time together. But then when I finished my sports career, I just was preparing to my wedding because my husband asked me to marry him. And I came to Canada. Like We had Olympic Games in February. And then I came to Canada in April with my wedding dress in, in one hand and, you know, wedding shoes in the other hand. That's all. <laughs> Ready for the next chapter to begin. Yeah, I was very excited about the new next chapter, but didn't know what to expect, to be honest. Yes. Well, to suddenly have all of that time to yourself, you know, and kind of looking at a blank page. What did you think you would be doing next after being so involved in sports for your whole life? Initially, I had this honeymoon stage, I think. I was excited and looking forward, you know, I just wanted, I was tired from skis, didn't want to even <laughs> look at my ski for a while. And because of all this uh, stressful year with Olympic Games and many emotional pressure, yeah, I just was looking to that relaxation and time with my husband and finally doing something different. And it was great. Like we uh, had our wedding, we went to honeymoon to Mexico and maybe one month later, you know, after some time, I just started to feel some anxiety and worries and, you know, all these fears coming to me and becoming more intense. Because I just didn't know what to do next. Like I spent all my time in the past skiing. I studied at university. I worked as a manager of sports team for one year, but I didn't have a lot of experience in living in real world. You know, <laughs> had a lot of experience living in an athlete, and then it was so stressful. I, I had no idea who I was without sport anymore. I had no idea what to do next. What I wanted to do what are my values right now without sports. <laughs> yeah, it was just very stressful time in this sense. So interesting. And so was that really your first experience feeling that kind of anxiety? It wasn't an issue that you had experienced as you were competing before then? I experienced anxiety before too. And naturally, very anxious person, I can say. and. That type of anxiety during competition, it was a little bit different because there was a goal and there was a clear path how to achieve that goal, or at least I knew what I had to do to come there. But <laughs> with my new life, I didn't have coaches. 
<laughs> I didn't have training plans prepared for me. I didn't know what steps to take to to discover myself, to find what I like to do, to find my destiny, new purpose and meaning in life. And also before in my life, I tried to leave sport for a few times before. And it wasn't successful every time it came back because I just was craving sport so much and life without sport was so stressful. So I knew that that nostalgia and that it will come to me. And it definitely did. I remember waking up in the morning and just after having this dream about skiing and I thought, oh, maybe it's not too late to come back. Maybe I still have a chance. You know, I'm not so old still. I, I still can't come back. <laughs> yeah. I think that's really interesting because I've heard for years, you know, that athletes, although I've never been one myself, I've always been a bit athletically challenged, <laughs> more of an indoor activity sort of a person. But what we hear is that the way athletes come through their nerves or they get themselves in that zone for peak performance is that training. And then you can just click into gear, so to speak, and go on your instincts and you know exactly what to do. You've rehearsed it in your mind. Your body has that memory and you just perform. And one thing that this is making me think of too is, you know, a lot of people think talking about stress, our ideal is to have zero stress, which is absolutely impossible. But that zone of performance, when workers are in that zone and time falls away, or when athletes just hit that stride and perform at their absolute peak, that comes from a state of stress. So your skills that you build over that time to turn that stress into your optimal performance just kind of clicks again in my mind, like exemplifies how we can use stress to enhance our performance or to leverage our success. And it doesn't always seem logical, but training and recognizing how that comes together makes that a little easier to, to trust that it's going to carry you through. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And like we don't, we cannot avoid stress in our lives. So stress can be very helpful too when there is a competition and nervous a little bit and excited at the same time. It can give me this strength and just adrenaline, you know, <laughs> to keep going, uh, give me endurance to just withstand all this long day of being on skis and competing. So it's, it can be helpful, but I think it's how we approach stress can make a big difference. Like what is our attitude? I know from my own experience that sometimes I don't handle stress very well it's just because of my attitude it's just because how i think about this particular situation or think and how i behave and respond to that that yeah, can be not very helpful and it's something we have to keep coming back to you know once we have that awareness or we understand you know that's one part of it and then the practice and gaining that faith that we can work through it and see the results that we want on the other side it comes over time yeah yeah. And so as you were going through this period of trying to decide what would call to you next, and you mentioned having that dream and, and waking up, was that kind of an aha moment? Did it come to you in a spark of recognition or was it something that just became more clear or you recognized this is something that you've experienced and you can speak to others? 
Yeah, it was a gradual, gradual path for me to just to realize what I want to do next. I started with looking inside myself and I started to work with counselors and coaches and I had support from my husband and my friends too. And then just gradually started to discover who I was beyond my career, who I was beyond being an athlete and what I liked to do, started to try to remember what, <laughs> what my other passions and hobbies were before, like or during sport. And when I was an athlete, I just didn't have time, not necessary to do everything I liked doing. Yeah, so started this exploration process with help of other people and Gradually talking to with other people, I realized that it's not only me who faces challenges. Other people face these challenges during life transitions as well. And that is why I just want to help other people to go through these transitions smoothly and with less stress, with less overwhelmed. Yes. And I think that recognition that you came to and it's easy to see, you know, from a point of view where we see someone working through something, we can see, oh, they're going through this experience like someone else, or like we all do at this stage of our lives. Or of course, after a completely engaging and very demanding career, it would be natural to feel rudderless afterward. But when we're in that experience, we can feel like we're the only one who's having this experience. Like everyone else figured out what they want to do. Where's my spark of inspiration? What's my problem, right? And then we can start being hard on ourselves and kind of holding ourselves back because we're judging and not being open to or allowing the process. Yeah, and this is, was one of the reasons I wanted to write my book. It just because I wanted to share with people my experience so they can relate. And I tried to be as honest as I could of course, not disclosing like every personal detail of my life, but just sharing what I went through in my childhood, during my sport career, and after retirement from professional sport and trying to find myself in new life. And I was happy to hear that people actually could relate. And it's just a, such a great gift for me that people can find something that can help them to to feel better, to live more fulfilling life and know that they're not alone in this world. Exactly. Exactly. That we have, there's more that unites us than divides us. So it's wonderful to get that affirmation like, oh, I'm just in this phase of my process. And it's like everyone else, we're all in different phases, but I tend to think we're in exactly the right place. You know, we're not late for anything. It's all unfolding in its own time. And so I love the title and I'm curious, my journey to boldness, my Russian way to boldness is, was that something that culturally was a little hard for you to step into? Is that, is boldness not recommended or encouraged in Russia being American? I mean, I, there are stereotypes, but that's certainly not what we want to rely on. <laughs> yeah. It's difficult for me to talk for everybody in Russia because definitely People have different family background and experience in their life. For me, there was two reasons I wanted to name this book this way. It's just boldness, this, you know, play of this. Or because I'm bold, I don't know if not everybody can see me <laughs> listening to podcasts. So I'm bold because I have alopecia. So 
yeah, one reason is just I came to being bald without hair and I lost my confidence at some point because of that. But then I was able to be bald and have courage to go into the world after I shaved my head, just to not to wear a wig and just be who I am in the world, like present with this appearance. So it was a big shift, like mindset shift for me. But also, of course, just growing up in Russia, my childhood was in 19s in Russia when the economic in Russia wasn't so strong and my parents struggled so much with earning money even though they had jobs. Yeah, it was very difficult time for my parents and uh, they struggled. And also my dad was my coach. So we didn't have so much daddy and daughter time. We were more like an athlete and a coach in that type of relationship. But he was much more, he had much more expectation from me than from other athletes, of course. (laughs) So it was stressful time for me to grow up. And I didn't have this courage to be myself. I wasn't bold enough to be myself because it probably wasn't safe in that time. It was difficult to speak up, to show my feelings, to do something that was not expected from me. So I lost myself a little bit in that process. Yes, thank you. And I I remember growing up in the 90s as well. And of course, it wasn't happening in my own backyard, but being aware of the change, the rapid state, I'm sure, of change and that dissonance as things shift culturally or societally. So, and I didn't realize that your father was your coach, hence your very early start on the slope. So of course, he always had an eye to where could she be going with this and how far can we take this, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, it's totally true. (laughs) (laughs) And as we were chatting just before we hopped on uh, for the program, I was sharing, I have a couple of friends with alopecia. And as you say, the choice of will I wear a wig which I think is a question of, of confidence or self-acceptance as well as how many times do I want to answer questions <laughs> if people are bold enough to ask you questions about it. And another friend who, since her experience began with it, she has always just proudly been my now bald friend, Kelly, and she's holding her own. And actually now she designs fashions and patterns and really is stepping more into kind of a spotlight and really embracing her self-image. And I know that's been a process and it always is for all of us, you know, and we tend to be our own worst critic and think that the one thing that everyone notices about us is the one thing we, we magnify our own flaws. And so I love that with the play on words in your book, you're speaking to how can I be bold and answer this unasked question or step into this new experience of baldness? Yeah, for me, it was about many things. I started to lose hair, like my alopecia started to progress in 2013. But before, it wasn't so strong. I think the first time I noticed alopecia, I was around 12 or 13 years old. But it just was a small patch on my neighbor area, you know, like it wasn't visible to other people so much. It was just accident why somebody noticed that. <laughs> I even wasn't aware about 
its existence before. Yeah, and of course brought some additional stress in my life because I never knew when my hair was going to fall out or where in what parts and in what amount. So it was stressful, but it didn't force me to look at my kind of to revise my attitude to my appearance till 2013 and later. But when my hair started to fall out so fast and quickly, I couldn't hide my bald spots anymore. I had to face that choice, like what to do next. Do I want to wear a wig, which also an option, and many people do that? Or do I want to just shave my hair, uh, hat and be like that in the world? And I decided to shave my hat just because, I don't know, it was less struggles, I guess. <laughs> and it just was the way I wanted to go, but it was challenging because for me, my hair was also my connection to my femininity energy, feminine energy. And it was difficult to lose them. I was kind of, I was losing my, myself as a woman. <laughs> and then I started to challenge my attitude, my perception on femininity, on appearance and I realized that I had this very deep beliefs about appearance and how women should behave and how they should look like. Yeah, and it was interesting that I never kind of challenged them before so much. I was wondering about them. I was experimenting in my early years and trying to do makeup on my face and you know, follow some of this uh, social media images but I didn't like that like I didn't have uh, enough patience and <laughs> desire to do makeup every day so I always stopped after one month of trying <laughs> and I didn't find it comfortable to wear like very high heels so it was trying to find my way to relate to my appearance and the way I dressed and the way I present myself as a woman for example and it was hard, but I knew that my hair, like, I don't know, I just had this belief in my hair that woman needs to have a long hair. <laughs> so I did. And then I started to lose them. And I was like, like, okay, now I have no idea like, <laughs> like how I can present myself. So yeah, it was a struggle. And it seems like it came along at exactly the same point in time when you were also redefining yourself professionally or finding your next purpose or direction. And so that really loaded the situation, right? Because even fundamentally, am I feminine? Am I a woman? You're starting really from a blank slate at that point and questioning all of these definitions or concepts that we develop or pick up as we grow up. Another transition that I had to overcome in my life, but I'm happy that I did the way I did it. Because right after I shaved my head, I felt so much calmer and at peace with myself. I was nervous to go to shopping mall at first time after I shaved my head because I thought everybody was <laughs> going to look at me and <laughs> point and finger at me, but nobody did. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> so yeah, it was a great experience. Well, and I think that says a lot too about 
we struggle so much with coming to a decision, right? And we can put so much fear in what this choice is going to mean. Can I change my mind? If I'm sorry about this, can I go back, right? Can I reclaim this? Can I reset the clock? And then once the decision was made, once you took action, then it was, sounds like it was almost a load off, you know, just a relief. Yeah, it was a huge relief for me. It was a huge relief that I can just be myself and I don't need to hide and, you know, <laughs> pretend that I don't have bold spots in my head <laughs> and worry about that, uh, that somebody could notice something was wrong. Yeah. And it's what I, what I learned from my experience and from some education too, is that we are much more than our body or our profession or some or our hobby or something else. Yeah. We are much more than something that we do regularly. And I encourage everybody just to look at themselves from this perspective to find who they are beyond their body or beyond their career. It's amazing thing to to do and to think about. It's not something we often think about, I guess. Yeah, but it's great exercise to do just to ponder like who I am in this like broad concept. Because I am bold, but it's just one part of me. There are so many other parts that I have. Yes. And I think that makes you even more tuned into the different ways in which we tend to struggle as we're going through life transitions, because you've been able to walk through that process yourself. So how do you help guide your clients through this process? I mean, it's hard to give ourselves that permission to take space and to really tune into that. Is something that you see them resist? Yeah, it's going to be very hard to find the space. You're right, because people usually experience a lot of anxiety and fears and all this just uncertainty makes them very like vulnerable, you know, and <laughs> feeling worried about the future. And when we feel this anxiety and worries, it's difficult to have space for ourselves. Like we can act from this place of anxiety instead of place of just calmness and good understanding of what we want. So if one of the things we work on just reducing the stress level, reducing that anxiety and worries, and just through different mindfulness exercises, self-awareness, just different techniques that people can utilize just to give themselves a space, even like mental space for themselves. So they're not just always doing something. They actually stop at least for, you know, a few minutes and think, okay, how I am right now? Like what's happening to me? What I experience? Like what touches me? What resonates with me in today? This is a very important part of my work with people. But also, of course, then we can explore how, like, what values people have right now, because our values changes with us, <laughs> and we need to revise them. We need to understand what is important for me right now in my life at this stage, and it becomes easier to understand what direction we want to go when we are clear about our values. And then also we, of course, work on identity, trying to just explore what parts we lost a little bit or what parts of us kind of shrinken 
because we left the career or we divorced or we now don't have kids in our house. So we kind of losing parts of ourselves in the past a little bit. And we need to fill that void with something else. We need to discover other parts of, of ourselves. So it's not so stressful for us to live. And of course, another big question is about finding meaning in life. Sometimes it also can be very challenging for people to understand, okay, like now what? Like I had that goal or I had that structure in my life. I wake up at 7 a.m. and I had my routine. I went to my workplace. I did all these activities and I had kids, la, la, la. And now like <laughs> my day is empty. How, like, <laughs> what is, how can I feel this day to make it meaningful and find new purpose in my life? So yeah, it's another important thing that we do. And you remind me again, I mean, this just keeps coming to my mind through the course of the conversation. So maybe I already said this, but I think it's such a gift to, and certainly when you're working with a coach to have that help or the reminder to come back to what's true for you, because there's so much expectation from society, from family, from taking care of other people, that it's easy to just go along with that flow and fulfill that until something leads us to the next chapter. And then we've lost that compass, you know, that inner compass or true north that says, yeah, I feel like I'm on the right track because we've been satisfying things for so many other people for so long that tuning back into that message can be a bit of a journey or an awakening. Yeah. And other things that is challenging, was challenging for me and challenging for other people is to let something go and accept that our time and energy is limited just to meet with this limitation we have in our daily life. Because sometimes, you know, we can have many values and we want to do so many things, but in reality, we cannot. So when we set priorities in our life, we just need to face our limitation and understand, okay, like I have only 24 hours in my day. Like how can I want to spend this time <laughs> doing what, meeting with whom? Yeah, and meeting with this like limitation, it can be so challenging, but it also can be very helpful. I heard this quote from one of education I took. And I just love it that existence doesn't mean doing everything. It just means doing something. And I just love it because it gives so much freedom in current, you know, society and situation when everybody expects from us, oh, meaning, you know, society expects from, expects from us doing so many things and being active and participating in different activities. And this phrase just at least gives me and to my clients and other people I share it with some freedom and some relaxation, some relief that, oh, okay, I actually don't need to do so many things. I can just choose something that I value, something that is important for me, and I have energy and time for that. And it's okay to just to do something, not everything, and it's easy to let something go. Yes. Yeah. I love that. And it, it reminds me too of that concept. I can't think of exactly the quote or, or the way to put it, but to make that shift from being a human doing back to being a human being and 
giving yourself that space. Because we do societally, there's this drive to always be checking things off the list or accomplishing things or striving towards a goal. And and like I was saying, I think a lot of times we take on the goals or expectations from other people and put those at the top of our list. And and then we tend to fall off of the list, our own well-being or balance or value, you know, self-care, certainly. Who has time for that? <laughs> so that can be tricky. So I'd love to know for yourself, what are some ways that you have found to support your own resilience? Yeah, thank you for asking, because it was uh, quite a process for me to find what helps me to be resilient. Uh, One of the things is self-care. It's a huge aspect. And I spent some time on understanding what is it for me, because I discovered self-care for me is not you know, going and buying something for me, doing something like, you know, going to massage. It can be part. I love massage (laughs) therapy. But in broader aspect, self-care for me is just about being compassionate to myself and listen to myself, listen to my body and, yeah, to what resonates with me during the day. Just, again, giving myself this space and time to actually turn inwards and see what is happening inside me, not only outside me. And again, to see inside me without judgment or just with compassion, like I would do with a best friend, just like having this inner dialogue when I ask and I listen (laughs) to what comes in. I not just talk and say like, oh, you, you need to do that or you should do that or like, yeah, actually having this opportunity for an inner dialogue when I just listening and understanding what is happening right now for me. And it was helpful on so many levels on my physical health because I used to have migraines and I didn't listen to my body. I totally ignore all the signals. I pushed myself, you know, I didn't want to accept my limitations I just no no I can't do it you know <laughs> and then my body gave up and I had like this severe migraines for a few days when I just couldn't eat walk nothing I just could lie down and on my bed in dark rooms that's all and it was awful experience and then I, I I gradually started to listen to my physical body but also I started to listen to my emotional experiences and kind of recognizing okay what is happening? I'm frustrated right now. Okay, why? Like, what can I do about that? And another aspect of self-care, it's all just of resilience in general, is this emotional intelligence. When I do not suppress my negative, unpleasant feelings, but I try to let them be and just listen what they're trying to say to me. Because I believe our emotions, they just signals that try to show that something is going on around us. If we experience positive feelings, everything is great. We can just, you know, keep going with what we are doing. But if we experience some unpleasant feelings, it means that something just requires our attention. So, you know, like I was changing this attitude to my emotional state, to learning how to tolerate my intense feelings and be with them and just, yeah, it made me much more resilient. I love that. And I think 
in all of those different aspects of growing your awareness and tuning in, I think that what you said about treating yourself like you would a good friend, like speaks to all of those. That's such a powerful reminder. Sometimes we say things to ourselves or we hold ourselves to standards that we would never hold anyone else to. We would never tell our best friend, I can't believe you're going to take a day off because you have a migraine. You'd be like, can I bring you chicken soup? Is there anything I can do? Right. But we don't give ourselves that kind of nurturing until we make that switch, until we give ourselves permission to say, oh, let's let ourselves off the hook a little bit. Let's be a little more supportive of ourselves and give ourselves permission to take what we need to do what restores us. And to your point too, thank you for pointing out that self-care looks different for everybody. I think that people look at going for a spa day or you know whatever trappings self-care has taken on because it's become such a marketable concept. Like, well, that doesn't appeal to me, so I don't need self-care. But giving yourself that space to tune in and say, oh, this makes me feel restored. This gives me energy. This brings me back to balance after a bad day at work or whatever's come up. That's what self-care is. We all get to define our own. Yeah. And self-care can be also about uh, protecting our boundaries or speaking up. It took me months, actually, to talk to my husband and ask him to wrap up this piece of cheese in the fridge so it doesn't dry out. (laughs) It was a huge self-care step for me, but it was challenging to do. (laughs) And I don't know why. (laughs) It's just funny that it's something simple. I I just wanted to share the story because it's something that seems so simple, but it still can be very challenging. Right? Every time you go to the refrigerator and you see the block of cheese, you're getting angry, but he has no idea why suddenly you're in a bad mood because you're like, well, he should know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Once that conversation is had, it's a world of difference. Yeah. I love that. Thank you so much. This has been a phenomenal conversation. I would love for you to share with our audience how they can learn more about you or find out how to work with you if they're in the midst of a transition and just really resonating with your message. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for asking this. And I will provide link to Susie so Susie can share some links for free gifts where you can learn even more about how to be resilient. And also I offer just 30 minutes initial consultation. So just again, go to the link to my website and book this time with me. I will be so thrilled to talk to you and help you in your life. Beautiful. We'll have those links in the show notes so they're super easy to find and folks can connect with you. And I think we've had a terrific conversation. Thanks for bringing some inspiration and grounding and giving people permission to make a little space to explore what resonates. Thank you so much, Susie. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. I'm so glad. Have a wonderful day. Thanks again. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for tuning in today. Check out the show notes for any links we mentioned. To learn more about living life with less stress and more flow, visit happifiedlife.com. And if you found value in today's episode, make sure you subscribe to catch the next one and leave a review to help fellow pod surfers find Happified. Until next time, keep on shining.